Hello everyone, Matt here and welcome to Looking Back at Lost, where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost to see how that episode fits into the series as a whole. Today I'll be covering episode 222, entitled Three Minutes. This is the 46th overall episode, and there are 75 to go. Before we kick things off, uh, a quick plug for some of my other podcast projects, particularly the Alcatraz podcast, which uh, is really heating up as we head towards the premiere of uh, a show that hopefully will be at least a partial successor to uh, to Lost and uh, a new place for us to all congregate around. So that's available at alcatraz.podbean.com, as well as on iTunes by searching for the Alcatraz podcast by PHGeek. And uh, with that, let's just jump right into the Wikipedia summary for this episode, Three Minutes. In flashbacks, it's 13 days ago, and Michael asks Locke for a gun. Though Locke cooperates, Michael knocks him unconscious, and then heads to the computer to receive directions on how to find his son, Walt. Jack arrives unexpectedly. Michael confronts him and locks both him and Locke in the armory, before setting off to rescue Walt. En route, he is captured by the others, and is taken to another location. He is then greeted by Mr. Friendly and various others, shortly before the former's encounter with the survivors in the hunting party. When alone with Michael, Alex tells him that Mr. Friendly is just sending a message to scare him. She then asks Michael about Claire and her baby. Michael is dragged to the others' camp, where they appear to live in makeshift tents. A woman identifying herself as Ms. Clue asks questions about Walt's childhood. She eventually explains that she wants Michael to return to his camp to free Henry Gale. Michael demands to see Walt, and she agrees, giving him three minutes to talk. Michael is then reunited with his son. Walt informs Michael that they make him take tests, and he cautions Michael that the others are not what they say they are. Ms. Clue threatens Walt by telling him he will be sent to the room if he says anything revealing, and Walt is subsequently taken away after throwing himself at Michael, begging him to save him. Ms. Clue tells Michael that he and Walt will be set free if he brings four people from his own camp to the others. She gives him a slip of paper, which contains the names. Jack, Kate, James Ford, Sawyer, and Hurley. She states that Michael must bring his companions back if he ever is to see Walt again. Michael agrees, but also demands that he and Walt are given the boat in return. Back in normal time for the show, Michael debates with the other survivors as to who should accompany him to the other's camp. He does not tell them about his instructions, but insists on limiting the number to the names that were on the paper. When Sawyer informs Michael that he has recruited Saeed, Michael protests and directly tells Saeed he is not coming. Michael also fails to convince Hurley to go, reminding him that Libby was killed. Saeed suspects that Michael has been compromised by the others and decides to work on a new plan with Jack to try and regain the advantage. On the beach, Charlie brings a Dharma kit containing vaccine and a pneumatic injector to Claire for her and Aaron to use. Later, 
Charlie struggles to construct the church as Vincent approaches with a Virgin Mary statue, which contains heroin. Charlie follows Vincent back to Sawyer's hidden stash and discovers the other statues. Charlie decides to throw all of them into the ocean, and Locke observes that Charlie has overcome his demons. During the funeral for Libby and Anna Lucia, the survivors stand toward the graves of both. At this point, Hurley tells a visibly relieved Michael that he is going to go. And at that point, the funeral is interrupted by Sun suddenly spotting a yacht coming towards the island. And with that, let's now get to my thoughts about the episode. Certainly a fun episode. It's a tight episode. Uh, lots of action. And uh, here we go. It's, uh, it's also uh, a quite good previously on Lost. Uh, just a very solid, quick recap. Uh, I did notice, though, that when Jack was talking to Michael about, uh, you know, did you see Walt? Uh, Jack is shaking his head no. Uh, I wonder if this is Jack kind of subconsciously saying, you know, something is wrong with this situation that Michael is telling me. Just a, just a thought there. Uh, the episode proper starts with uh, the, uh, the, the, the tagline, 13 days ago, and we see that now we are going to get answers. You know, last week's episode ended with, you know, kind of this notion of what is Michael doing? What could, you know, what is going on? What happened in the time he was missing? Here we are. Patience is rewarded. Uh, we see 13 days ago, after getting a gun and knocking Locke out, uh, we kind of get a reminder of Michael's drive to get his son back. Um, Michael goes to the computer. He's uh, communicating with, presumably, Walt. Uh, it's worth mentioning that, quote-unquote, Walt seems to type extremely fast. Now, granted, some things are shorter and quicker for TV, but at least to my mind, it does send a red flag as to who is on the other side. And I think uh, I think it is kind of up for debate whether he is communicating with Walt or not. Uh, I vaguely have something rolling around in my head that Lindelof and Cuse have said, no, indeed, he was chatting with Walt. I kind of have a hard time believing that. Uh, whatever tests uh, Walt is being subjected to by the others, if it's on a computer that's connected to the Dharma network, I mean, I guess it's possible enough. It's perhaps slightly probable, given how the others really have just kind of stepped into the, uh, you know, all the all the stuff left by the uh, left by the Dharma Initiative. But I have a hard time believing that they're going to let Walt quietly take a test on a computer connected to this island network. Now, on the flip side, I suppose you could argue they don't know that there's anyone in the uh, in the Swan Hatch. They likely don't know about the Swan Hatch, uh, given that its inhabitants, uh, you know, whether they were Dharma folk, uh, such as Kelvin or, or you know, subsequent people in there, Desmond and the rest, uh, given that the others don't know about uh, the Swan Hatch, what's the likelihood that, that you know, that they then know that there's a computer attached to it? I guess at the end of the day, I'm just kind of landing on the side of Michael being duped by the others all along. That these uh, communications he's been receiving from Walt, I just personally don't buy as as coming from Walt. But certainly room for room for debate there. Uh, within this kind of opening scene, there's nice intercutting between the new footage, Michael getting the gun, uh, and old footage. Michael locking Jack and locking the hatch with his whole, I have a right, a father's right scene. 
Really, really well done. Unlike, and I don't think I have this in the notes for later, unlike the uh, the bit later on where we have Mr. Friendly uh, talking to uh, Michael and Alex uh, kind of behind the tree line. Uh, it's the behind the scenes of of uh, later on, uh, you know, uh, of scenes that we've already seen where, uh, you know, this is our island, that kind of speech by, by Friendly. Um, there, his beard, his makeup doesn't quite match up. Um, it's not that noticeable, but it's noticeable there. Here, just seems perfectly seamless. Um, we also have the introduction of Michael's mystery piece of paper, uh, which of course is, as we'll learn by the end of the episode, the list of, uh, the people that the others want. Um... Still, though, Michael makes a good push for why only certain people should go, saying, uh, you know, it should be us five, the people in the hatch. Um, And then we, uh, you know, kind of start towards moving towards getting plans for the funeral, but not before Michael looks at Libby's blood still fresh on the floor. Just a fantastic way to end the teaser act. We get the title card. And then we're back to 13 days ago with Michael a running and a finding a conveniently urinating other. Uh, definitely with a rewatch, we should be suspicious when we see an other in shanty clothes. You know, they're putting on this act of the, the, the poor, uh, underestimatable others. Uh, I, I think, too, even on first viewing, you know, we since seeing uh, the... Uh, you know that fake beard and the uh, theatrical glue uh, in the uh, the staff hatch. Um, you know we, we're at a point where we should be suspicious. Period of of a lot that's going on. Certainly the fact that we're seeing these flashbacks and Michael somehow is co opted into doing some bad stuff. Uh, you know uh, suspicion should be uh, about regardless of whether you're seeing this episode for the first time or not. But and certainly hope you're not seeing this episode for the first time because you probably shouldn't be listening to this particular podcast. Um, anyhow, uh, the peeing picket, of course, is a diversion for Tom Friendly to come up behind, uh, but not before Michael gets off a few shots. And these are shots that we've heard from the point of view and Jack and company uh, a while ago. So certainly a nice bit of symmetry there. I kind of appreciate, too, that they didn't go to the trouble to show Jack and company hearing those shots, you know, to intercut footage from a previous episode. It's not really necessary at this point. Uh, If you remember them hearing it, great. You don't kind of need every little last thing spelled out for you at this point. Uh, I know, too, this is is a normal length episode. Ran, you know, in in a one-hour time slot, not kind of an extended time slot, hour plus. But this is also, at least according to Lostpedia, this is the longest hour-long episode in something like 43 minutes of runtime as opposed to 42 minutes. So they, this is a season where they are really struggling with, uh, with the length of the show. Well, I say struggling. The flip side might be this is also, um, I mean, I guess I'll just cut to this now. This is the lowest rated episode of season two. And perhaps it should be said lowest rated in quotes. During the course of season three is, uh, which I guess would be 2006, 2007, uh, that's when the Nielsen ratings people for, for all shows started to include 
they start to give out uh, ratings, then ratings plus 24 hours, then ratings plus seven days. With the general knowledge, the general notion being plus 24 hours was VCRs and plus seven days was DVRs. So to say that this episode, you know, the penultimate episode to the end of the season, to say that it's the lowest rated of the season, I would bet had the ratings people been prepared to count, uh, you know, to count these uh, DVR numbers and VCR numbers, um, there, there actually might have already been a, a a way to count VCR numbers. But certainly, the big shift kind of going on, you know, middle of the decade is the inclusion of uh, online viewing, whether it's online streaming, you know, ABC.com, whether it's rentals through iTunes, uh, purchases through iTunes, or uh, or using your own, you know, personal uh, DVR, um, I would bet that the ratings hadn't gone down. I remember kind of crunching the numbers during season three when it looked like ratings really were going down, and in the spring of season three when they did indeed fully start to include DVR numbers, you know, the show had lost two million viewers and DVR numbers restored something like 1.9 million, so there was just the the teensiest uh, decline. Uh, just in continue what I'm sure is a fascinating side note here for a moment. Uh, I've heard elsewhere that uh, DVR numbers are of little use to TV networks because that means those are the people who are not watching the commercials. So the whole, you know, kind of uh, financial structure of people watch shows to sit around for the commercials so ad time can be sold uh, is not helped by DVRs. But Let's move back to this episode, shall we? Um, after the title card, is it? Yes, after the title card, after the uh, the uh, Michael flashback, we return to uh, the uh, kind of modern day island story, um, and we're back. You know, we'll just call quote unquote today, I suppose. Um, and it's with Michael fittingly cleaning up Libby's blood. I love the symbolism. He literally and figuratively has her blood on his hands and uh, with that speaking of metaphors echo brings one in without even knowing it small parish in england every sunday after mass i would see a young boy waiting at the back of the church and then one day the boy confessed to me that he had beaten his dog to death with a shovel said the dog had bitten his baby sister on the cheek and he needed to protect her and he wanted to know whether he would go to hell for this I told him that God would understand that he would be forgiven as long as he was sorry but the boy did not care about forgiveness he was only afraid that if he did go to hell, that dog would be there waiting for him. It's a scene that's just delicious with irony, and uh, it's a wonderful metaphor. It, Echo here is uh, excusing uh, the killing of one dog to protect your baby sister, but how about two dogs? How about three dogs? How about one person? How about two people? shot to death it's clearly a slippery slope even though echo is presenting it in 
rather plain contained uh, terms and uh, you know there's just the added notion of you know heaven or hell well when last we learn of Michael he's kind of you know stuck in this netherworld uh, because uh, because of his his own sins which we have now seen uh, fittingly Michael steps out of the hatch to go vomit up his guilt uh, and rather thankfully uh, because it is network TV you don't actually see anything there's one moment where he he does spit saliva but that's about it it's I don't know it's kind of particularly distasteful for me in uh, you know when on TV they they do you know mix up some sort of I don't know chicken broth with uh, corn syrup or something and put it in their mouth and yell cut and they you know Bleh. so I'm glad they didn't do that thanks Joe uh, Michael with that Michael runs into Jack, and uh, he angrily declares that it has to be this way. Him, Kate, Sawyer, Hurley, and Jack. Michael plays the daddy card. It's my son and my plan. Um, I wonder if on first viewing we were sufficiently suspicious. Uh, I mean, I think so. Let's not forget. It, it's, you know, oh so recently that he did shoot Anna Lucia and Libby, after all. But, uh... I don't know. It's kind of, you know, Michael's a likable a likable guy, almost in spite of himself. But um, with that, we cut to Aaron and Claire. Remember them? Uh, Charlie offers up Dharma, the vaccine set, uh, ostensibly as a peace offering to demonstrate what a great church-building guy he is. And just as he's ready to close the deal, just as he's saying, you know, maybe sometime we could... That's when Michael walks back into camp for the first time. Now, there, there is the line from Claire, you know, Michael's back. And it, it did take me a moment to say, when Michael's back, Michael's been back for a while. It is, of course, the first time for everyone seeing Michael, except for the Hatch folk and except for us. We also get to see reactions from Sun and Jin. They're still in the show, too. That's exciting. Um, kind of joking aside, there is some great acting here from Harold Perrineau. He's happy to see everyone, but it's with this tinge of guilt. He's already betrayed these people. Uh, it's not just the shooting of Anna Lucia and Libby. He's There's this plan in motion for him to take their leadership away. Uh, he's going to be betraying these people again. And uh, Son asks who killed Anna Lucia and Libby. And uh, Michael ends the act by saying they were murdered. So true indeed. And after the act break, we return to the smooth sounds of M.C. Ganey playing his beloved character. Hey there, Michael. Not gonna hold that against you. Fair's fair. I took your boy. <laughs> but don't do that again, okay? Where is he, you son of a bitch? <laughs> hey, look at what I found. She was following her friends. About half a click behind us. You make one sound. You'll never see a boy again. It's a shame MC Ganey never uh, was never nominated for an Emmy for that character. He's just so just so good. Um, but certainly by the time the clip ends, we're realizing that this is the flip side of the "This is our island" speech. Uh, we also see that Alex is present. Uh, and it might remind sharp-eyed 
uh, viewers or I guess sharp-eared uh, listeners uh, to uh, you know that that this is our island scene uh, when the mysterious Zeke, aka Beardo, aka Friendly, called out for Alex to bring Kate to the group, the the bound and gagged Kate to the group. Uh, as we see the our island scene play out, the behind the scenes certainly is interesting. Alex is affirming to Michael that uh, Mr. Friendly is here to deliver a message. Uh, on first viewing, you might be kind of connecting the dots and saying, well, if he's just a messenger, then he truly isn't the man in charge. This does reflect something that uh, the mysterious Henry Gale said while in the cell about, uh, you know, how, you know, the bearded man, he's he's no one, he's a nobody. How uh, There's a, a great, wonderful man in charge. So just another another oh little hint there for the uh, the big reveal at the end of Live Together Die Alone Part Two, uh, where uh, well we find out Ben is the guy in charge. Uh, we also see Alex engineering a way for Pickett to take Kate out. Alex doesn't want to do it herself. Um, I think at first the implication is you know because she's a nice person and doesn't entirely agree with with all this. Uh, all these ruffian behaviors, but in in truth, it's also that uh, so that she can ask Michael about Claire. Did Claire have the baby? How did it turn? How did the baby turn out? Alex, of course, is kind of over asking. You know, how is Claire? It, was it a boy or was it a girl? You know, here Michael is bound and gagged, so you know it should be kind of yes or no questions. But oh well, here Alex is serving two masters. She wants to have the answers to these questions, and she's trying to communicate. To us, a reminder of her time uh, previously in the show, uh, as well as communicate that you know she's one of the good ones. Uh, it is worth mentioning, though, that uh, under pressure, she does knock out Michael with a gun butt, which is also a handy way to end the flashback. Back uh, on the, well, I say on the island, and I probably have said that a couple of times. Of course, when I say back on the island, I mean back in uh, the present day. Uh, Michael's with Vincent, uh, and it's a serene scene, which of course contrasts Michael's actions. It'll also be referenced when we flash back again towards the end of the episode, uh, uh, Walt asking about Vincent. Um, in Sawyer's tent, there's kind of a standard uh, lock and loading of guns, as well as some great exposition about Jack and Kate being caught in uh, in a net. This, of course, being Rousseau's net. And Sawyer, of course, misreads uh, being caught in a net as a metaphor for knocking boots. We're almost 20 minutes into the episode at this point, and Saeed shows up for the first time uh, and quickly gets shot down for, uh, for joining the attack group. It's interesting that Jack is defending Michael's plan for just a certain number of people. Is this due to daddy issues? You know, let's not forget Mike has played the I'm a daddy and I love my boy card. And here we have Jack eating it up. We have Jack responding very, you know, kind of very seriously to this this idea of, you know, a father's love is a special thing. And when a father's love creates a plan, you don't question the plan. Uh, upon hearing all of that, of course, that Saeed is not welcome in the group, uh, Sawyer uh, responds with the greatest string of pop culture references to date. You're not coming, Saeed. Excuse me? Michael wants to keep it small. Me, Kate, Hurley, and, and him. 
Yeah, well, Hems says even though Pippi Longstocking and the damn great paper ideal candidates for the Dirty Dozen, I'm just gonna say we might want to bring the Red Beret. It's Michael's call. He knows where we're going. It is not his call, Jack. It's ours. Also, just a great kind of punctuation there at the end. It is not his call, Jack. Uh, you know, sometimes I feel bad for these actors, as I've mentioned before, that you don't. You know, you open up your script and you don't have a huge part this week. And last week you were hardly in it. The week before you were hardly in it. Naveen Andrews certainly uh, takes what he is given and always uh, gives back 100%. Um, with that, the story moves back to the hatch. And Echo wandering through, following his promise from last week to be the button pusher. Uh, the magnetic forces pulled his cross. Magnetism reminder. And he puts the numbers into the computer, resetting the timer. Button reminder. All a bit of a, you know, penultimate uh, episode of the season. Well, reminder. With that, we go back. Not, not, pardon me, we not go back. Charlie comes into the hatch, and he's grumpy and despondent to hear that the church project has been abandoned. And to me, it's worth noting that Charlie apparently wasn't really into the church, but rather he was into building the church with someone. He's he's willing to be, uh, you know, an apostle, but he doesn't want to take any sort of leadership on his own. Uh, I suppose that, not even suppose, that absolutely is in line with the character. Um, following his brother, following, you know, more recently Echo, uh, etc., and oh, it's, you know, following Locke for a time, um, you know, it, it's as a Charlie fan, I, I I do feel bad. I wish he was kind of a bit more front and center, but he is also one of the more uh, fundamentally flawed characters in in, in the show. So, say lovey. Uh, with that, we have a quick exposition scene with Sawyer telling Michael that Said is coming. Then we flash back to now eleven days ago arriving at the place uh, to which the others were headed, the presumed camp where they all live in rags and eat dried fish. Uh, It, of course, has that, uh, you know, guarded hatch door, which, you know, Michael really doesn't question. Well, he doesn't question a lot. He doesn't question why he's being allowed to see the whole operation. He doesn't question why uh, the others would be guarding this hatch, but then living outside in these awful conditions. Um, Obviously... You know, we'll learn later on that the whole thing is a is a fake. Later on, we'll learn in in the two hour finale. Um, after Michael has been walked through the entire camp, there's some mumbo jumbo where Pickett takes Michael's blood. I'm still not entirely sure why they did that. Uh, and then there's the introduction of Ms. Clue. I was hoping you might help me answer some questions. Walt. Where is he? Is he your biological son? What? Are you his father? Yes, I'm How his... old was he when he started speaking? I... He... Did he have any illnesses growing up? Headaches, fainting spells? What? No! I don't... I wasn't there. He, he was halfway around the world. Why are you asking me all these Did questions? Walt? ever appear in a place he wasn't supposed to be 
You say he was halfway around the world, but did you see? I want my son. You bring him to me right now. All this, of course, rings very familiar. Walt being special, the dead bird drawn to him in Australia. Well, obviously it wasn't dead when it was drawn to him, but anyhow. Uh, and of course, the appearing to Shannon and Saeed. The question is, why is Clue asking? We know in retrospect that when uh, Walt appeared to Shannon and Saeed, that it was Smokey. Did the show not know it then? That certainly is possible, uh, you know, that there wasn't a permanently, perfectly drawn out plan for, you know, six seasons of the show. That That's well known. It's possible that they're delving into gray area here. On the flip side, is it possible that Clue is testing the infiltration of Smokey? That's possible as well. Uh, I personally would prefer the latter. Uh, I think that the former, that the show didn't know it, that's probably why it was written. But certainly, I I think it fits to say she's just kind of testing around uh, to see what, what Smokey has been up to. Um, of course, this all kind of fits into the huge umbrella, uh, the huge yet vague umbrella of Walt is special, and it's never explained, with the slight caveat, of course, of the new man in charge. Um, back, uh, again, in, in, in these notes, I apologize, I keep saying back on the island, of course, the entire show takes place on the island. Back to today, uh, on the island, Michael kicks Said off the team. With the decent enough logic of, I'm going after my son, but you're going after the guy who escaped. So that's why we don't want you. It's a good enough point, I suppose. Um, certainly it's good enough for Saeed to quickly agree, leaving us to wonder whether he's been duped or whether he's waiting uh, to figure out the lie later. Uh, obviously, it's the latter, as we will learn at the end of the episode. Um, but it's... It's a good enough way for them to kind of, you know, Saeed to be spoken to about why he can't go and to, for Saeed to say yes and, and for us to say, okay, well, Michael's plan is coming together, whether I'm happy or sad about that, uh, but still have this Saeed thread to pick up later. With that, we go back to Charlie building the church by himself unsuccessfully. Uh, I guess that's why there's apostles. Uh, and Vincent brings him a, a, a heroine Virgin Mary. This is unrealistic uh, that the dog would... <laughs> I have to laugh. I mean, it's unrealistic that the dog would, you know, be poking through Sawyer's stuff, you know, find the Virgin Mary statue, and then go, Hey, heroin! That smells like Charlie! Let me go bring Charlie this nice heroin! It's unrealistic, and it's very hand of the writer. But they do acknowledge it with Charlie being incredulous and asking Vincent if he's kidding. I think that you can get away with things like this occasionally, as long as you're going to wink to the audience. This is, you know, I mean, could you get, could you do it in a, you know, in a Law and Order type show or something that's, you know, very serious? Probably not, but this is not a super serious show. It has moments of being serious, but it also has comedic moments, and I think for them to acknowledge the ridiculousness of it puts them on our side. They're saying, we're here to you know, give you an entertaining moment, come join us, as opposed to us sitting here going, what's the likelihood that a dog, you know, blah, 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 blah. So, Charlie, of course, follows Vincent back to the heroin stash, uh, and he's able to finally beat his addiction 
by taking all those Virgin Mary statues and throwing them into the ocean. Uh, of course, right when he looks at it, we have the, the Charlie music being tempted by, by uh, you know, the, the heroine. Uh, but anyhow, with Charlie throwing them into the ocean, uh, it's not before there's one last longing look at the last Virgin Mary. A long shot reveals that a, a rather unimpressed Locke is watching, but hardly caring. And I think we're meant to kind of say boo hiss to Locke here. The Locke is so down. Locke has lost all faith in all that's magic and wonderful and and you know special about everything, including himself, that for Charlie to have this very honest moment where no one is pushing him to overcome uh this portion of his addiction or overcome his addiction period because you know you're <laughs> at this point you're out of heroin so whether you you know you can be addicted to it all you want you're not getting any um the fact there's not some kind of wise lock moment of you know you may ask three times and on the third time i'll give you your heroin like that there's none of that that it's just charlie just needed time and he would have beat this um you know, it's kind of Locke saying, oh, well, if I couldn't be the one to do it, then I, I don't like it. With that, we go back to the hatch. and There's more prepping for the big mission ahead. Echo, of course, is staying in the hatch uh, to push that button. Uh, but in the gun lock, we have Jack locking and loading. Sawyer mournfully talks about Anna Lucia, including admitting that he slept with her, and then kind of further hammers it home by saying that they got caught in a net as he is, of course, misreading the caught in a net uh, statement to be a metaphor and not a statement of fact. Uh, Jack asks Sawyer why he's sharing this, sharing his kind of, uh, well, all of it, sleeping with Anna Lucia and, and his sad thoughts about her. The response, because Jack is the closest thing Sawyer has to a friend. Tear. Then to end the act, Sawyer adds, well, at least we get to kill somebody. That's the Sawyer we know. That's the way to end the act. And after the act break, uh, it's Kate and Hurley digging graves. And Michael pushing and pulling to make sure that his list is met, that Kate's going. Uh, and then he tries with uh, with Hurley. And he almost goads Hurley. Not even almost. He is goading Hurley into coming, saying, you know, they killed Libby. Uh, and he, interestingly, he calls him Hugo. Should he know that name without the list? I suppose, yes, it is kind of out there, but to me, it just kind of stuck out as somebody who's been looking at the name Hugo Reyes recently, um, as opposed to, you know, that kind of being a common a common uh, name for Hurley. I, I think it's meant to be just the slightest little tip of the hand without being some sort of clue that, you know, things really are afoot. With that, we go back to uh, the flashback. And it's now three days ago. I'm not quite sure what they've been doing all that time with Michael, beyond asking him questions. Uh, and Michael does make reference. All you do is ask me the same questions every day. You know, fine. I think it's also perhaps a bit of bridging the gap. You know, you're, you're stuck with the fact that Michael left X number of days ago, and now you need to fill those somehow. Finally, though, we do get some direct exposition explaining the plan. One of our people was captured by yours. So go get him back. We can't do that. But you can. And if you do, 
We'll let you and Walt go free. I want to see my son. Michael, I... I want to see him! If he is out there, you bring him in! Certainly that much we we knew or we had a very strong sense of. It also is, uh, you know, it's a nice opportunity for Michael to be reinforcing uh, his desire to save Walt. I'm reminded of uh, some of the podcast episodes from the middle of season one where, you know, Michael very early on is expressing this desire to get himself and his son off the island for him to really be that protective father that he never had a chance to be. And I think that we... I mean, well, I was going to say we unfairly judge Michael. I mean, he kills two innocent people and betrays everyone else in order to meet that end. Uh, so perhaps our judgment is fair. But I think that we, I think that he becomes painted as a, a villain as opposed to somebody who, like many other characters on the show, is tremendously flawed and thinks he's making the right decision uh, when, when he is not. Uh, at any rate, the uh, the clip certainly continues. When Walt comes in, we get some more tidbits from him. Are you okay? Huh? Yeah. Did, did they hurt you? They make me take tests. They make you what? We're not going to talk about that. How's Vincent? Vincent? He's great. He's great. He misses you. Hey, don't, don't, don't be scared, man. Don't be scared. It's going to be over real soon, okay? I'm going to get you out of here, okay? They're not who they say they are. Walt, They're pretending. You want me to put you in the room again? Pretending? Pretending what? Okay, that's it. We're done. No, 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 no. no wait. Hey, wait, wait, wait. wait. Come, come here, Walt. Wait, come here. Come here, wait. I'm sorry. Come here. Dad, don't leave me. Help me, please. Don't leave me. Don't. I won't, man. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna get you out of here, okay? I promise you, I will get you out of here. Dad, okay? Dad, let him go. Whoa, wait, let go of him. I love you. Well, I'm gonna get you out of here. I love but, you. Well, I love you too. Let me go. Well, let me go. Well, we're gonna get Dad. you out of here. And again, I mean, there you have a sense of of what drives Michael, and I think that in that scene, his central drive is becoming an understandable one, almost. Uh. You know, we see where he's coming from. Does he sit at that moment and say, I am prepared to shoot two people and betray four others uh, in order to get my son back and to get out of here? No, but, you know, as I said before, it's a slippery slope. And I think we can understand uh, a bit better from that scene. Uh, We can understand where he's coming from. We also, of course, get hints about the others not being who they say they are as well as a reference to The Room, which I can only assume is the brainwashing room that we see uh, later in Season 3. The scene wraps up with Clue giving Michael the list, uh, the very list which we saw him burning at the top of the episode. I absolutely love, too, that Michael antes up to add the boat to it all. He says, "I'll, I'll do all this, but you give me my son, you set us free, and you give me your boat. Uh, he knows he can't return to camp, uh, and frankly, it's impressive that he's making plans to get off the island, just as he promised to do in season one, back in the caves. It was his, you know, this has been his desire, uh, and he's sticking to it. Also, as a side note, I wonder what it's like for the actor. You read this, ooh, get off the island. You know, it's one thing to not be around for eight episodes, but to be paid for them. 
another thing entirely to be, uh, you know, written out of the show, uh, which, you know, Harold Perrineau's complaints about how Michael was treated at the end of this season, being turned into a villain, those complaints are well known. Um, the fact that they took the gamble to not have Michael as a cast member or Harold Perrineau you know, around at all for season three with no kind of promise of that to bring him back for eight episodes in season four. Uh, that was a gamble, certainly, because he might have, you know, gone on to greener pastures. Uh, interesting that he that he didn't. I mean, it must, that phone call must be interesting. Hey, we're glad you're not working. Uh, why don't you come on back to Lost for, for a spell? Um, and then certainly Harold Perrineau was not happy with how the, the character ended up. Um, you know, as as a baddie who returns to the island. We'll get there in about uh, 30 weeks or so, so stay tuned. Um, back to this episode. After the last act break, another funeral is held on the beach. As people arrive, Locke watches from kind of the, the shoreline, uh, cuts off his leg brace, and walks off. Uh, it's, I, I wonder where he's walking off to. I'll admit I don't remember offhand, but certainly, uh, if we look at it from the point of view of, of first viewing, he's heading, you know, down the shoreline. That's not to where we kind of understand the hatch being. Uh, it's not towards the, uh, the funeral, certainly. Uh, we've seen people coming from, uh, let's imagine the water is to our backs. We've seen people coming from the left to the burial area on the right, and now Locke is even further right and walking away from everyone, so he's not heading back to to camp. So we'll stay tuned for that too. Uh, and indeed, you know, so here we have people arriving at the funeral area as Jack and Said arrive. Naveen Andrews does what I think is almost uh, his best uh, his best claim to perhaps one day be James Bond. Seems like such a long time ago now. I was going to go right from the airport to the cemetery, but I had no idea what I was going to say. Here we are again. I think Michael has been compromised. Let's keep walking, Jack. What do you mean compromised? His actions are not those of a man who is telling the truth. Why would he lie to us? Because I believe a father would do anything for his son. Because I believe that Michael may have freed Henry. And because I believe he's leading you into a trap. You believe a lot, Saeed. And I also believe that Henry was one of them. All right, let's go talk to him. No, he must continue to believe he's in control. Why the hell would we want to do that? So we can create an advantage. I don't know yet. Do we have one more night to figure that out? Why one more night? That'll take us to the season finale. Um, I, I love that Jack is feeling the emotion of everything, feeling the emotion of heading to the funeral, but Saeed is still coolly calculating ahead, down to that, you know, no, let's keep walking, make it all appear that, that nothing is up. Uh, and then, of course, there's the ultimate trump card, Said mentioning that he also believed that Henry was another. He believes this, he believes that, he believes 
uh, Michael's been compromised, da da da. And when Jack is kind of uh, not quite dismissive, Jack is questioning it all. Said does mention I, he believed Henry was another. Uh, and as noted, uh, the clip ending with the idea that there's one more night to figure it out. That is, of course, propelling us to the season finale. Uh, at the funeral, Jack says a few words about Anna Lucia, including rest in peace. Pity that she spends her afterlife life making the same mistakes. You know, it's, it's great to see her return in the last uh, couple episodes of the series. But there she is doing the same. You know, there she is, the dirty cop. And not in a fun way either. Uh, Hurley's eulogy for Libby is typical Hurley. It's honest. It's heartfelt. There's a touch of humor as he struggles with the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist. And uh, the unfairness of it all, the unfairness of her death, propels Hurley to agree to joining Michael on this, uh, this, this mission. Of course, an ironic misstep. And just when you think you have enough to get ready for the two-hour finale, just when you're wondering if Lost is going to end on a rare, soft note... Boat! Boat! As the episode uh, wraps up with this particular zinger, I can't help but note that there's some rather fun irony that Libby's eulogy having been given... Uh, then her boat, the Elizabeth, arrives uh, with the man she gave it to, Desmond, who returns next week. Certainly a, uh, I was going to say it's a fun episode. I mean, it's not kind of fun in a happy way, but uh, we get a lot of information from the Michael, uh, you know, the what Michael's been up to, uh, the other 13 Michael days, if, if you will. Um... We certainly get some closure with uh, Libby and Anna Lucia being buried. We get uh, we get some momentum for the season finale. I guess it's kind of a typ- typical penultimate episode uh, for uh, the the series. You know, penultimate for a season for the series. Uh, in that it's kind of actiony enough to be kind of loading the chamber. Uh, obviously, they're literally doing that here, but also metaphorically, just kind of preparing for for the finale and getting all the moving the pieces to get them uh into play for the finale but uh also not you know not a particularly deep episode as i think is oftentimes the case with uh with some of these penultimate episodes but certainly great ending one that propels us into next week and now let's take a look at lostpedia for this episode coincidentally says lostpedia the names of the four people on michael's list are the four candidates who are still alive when Jacob chooses a new protector in the series penultimate episode, What They Died For. Sawyer even sarcastically refers to Kate and Hurley as great candidates for the mission. So, I mean, I think that that's not on purpose. I think that that's probably just a function of who are the top people in the show. It's Kate, Sawyer, uh, Jack, and and Hurley, so the fact that they make it all the way through to the end uh, should not be a surprise. Uh, Lostpedia also mentions uh, something that I said at the top of the episode, top of the podcast, that this is the lowest rated episode of season two, and uh, of course, I don't think that's the case because of the, the DVR numbers that no one was counting then. Lostpedia also says, the titular promised three minutes is actually one minute and 12 seconds. 
blast those others for even lying when they give you three minutes with your son in a tent. Last but not least, Lostpedia says, when Michael reads the list at the beginning of the episode, the piece of paper is pink. When Ms. Clue gives the list to Michael, the piece of paper is yellow. This may be because of the difference in light. Uh, for my money, when I watched the episode, to me it just looked like pink paper in firelight. I didn't, I didn't see it as yellow paper, so I don't know if that's, oh, something for the digital copy that I'm watching or whatever. But with that, let's now look ahead till next week. Next week will be episode 223, Live Together, Die Alone. Kind of a production note, I will be podcasting that in two parts, just so as to avoid, you know, super huge uh, episodes. Uh, so I'll be doing 223 part one next week and 223 part two the following week. Uh, a couple of reminders, of course. I'll mention my other podcasts again, the PH Geek podcast, phgeek.podbean.com, where we talk about a variety of geeky topics. Uh, also available on iTunes by searching for PH Geek. If you're searching for that, you might also come across on iTunes the Alcatraz podcast by PH Geek, which is available at alcatraz.podbean.com, uh, where we're talking about the new, uh, well, the new show Alcatraz. We're counting down to that. Talking about this podcast, a reminder that new episodes launch to the website, iTunes, and the Lost Podcasting Network on Mondays, though I will give a little heads up, I think, in the middle of February to uh, commemorate the uh, to commemorate the uh, one-year anniversary of the show, I think I might decide to move it back until Fridays. Uh, I was getting slightly more downloads then, so I certainly would like to welcome more friends uh, to the podcast. So you can kind of keep an eye out for that and an ear out for that, but certainly in the interim, uh, they're releasing all on Mondays. If you'd like to share feedback, you can call the voice message line at 732-707-1815. You can say hello to me on Twitter, where I'm looking back lost. You can send me an email to lookingbackatlost at gmail.com. You can leave a comment on the webpage, lookingbackatlost.podbean.com. And you can always find the show on iTunes, where reviews are always very, very much appreciated. So thank you very much for listening as we uh, start to head into the final stretch here for Season 2. Certainly, uh, my goodness, 46 episodes of the podcast under, uh, under my belt here. As always, of course, fantastic fun to be doing this, and I will speak to you all again next week for 223 Part 1, Live Together, Die Alone Part 1. Take care, everybody, and bye-bye.